everybody thank you and welcome once again to another episode of the movies that move us i'm your host al larson joining me today is my co-host quince van orden how's it going everyone and today people who listen (laughs) and uh today we are joined by tim shizmar is that is that how you pronounce it why yes it is and after i'm on you're gonna go up to seven listeners yeah, absolutely wonderful. That's all we need. Tim Shizmar is a filmmaker, a comedian. Uh, Tim, uh, you are a general raconteur. Is that is that correct? I do lots of things. I do all the yeah. things to avoid having a normal job. I haven't had a normal job since two thousand and seven. I'm very proud of it. That is very impressive. And uh, Tim, you have joined us today to to talk about a movie that has particularly impacted your life, Maslin Beach. And then uh, we're going to jump into a, a little bit of some of the, the movie that you and you made as well called The Noodles of Noodland. Yeah, I've made a bunch of feature films and uh, The Noodles of Noodland is definitely a passion project. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to dive into Maslin Beach with you guys. Have you ever done a nudist film on your podcast before? No, no. Um, this is great. Like we, we talked about how we wanted to always try to get more niche things. And, uh, this is, this is the first time that we've ever had a, a nudist film. Sweet. Great. Quince, do you want us to, uh, jump into, uh, one of your, your games really quick first? You know what? We can just, you know, let's start with, uh, we, yeah, we can do this. Uh, I, I mean, we haven't really practiced it. That's why I was like, I don't know if we want to, try something new or we want to do classics but uh let's do a draft so basically you're in this concept we might say best actor okay and we each have an opportunity to try to choose one if someone takes it then you can't take it that's really what it is we're going back and forth everybody gets a turn to kind of pick stuff to kind of fun little brain exercise type thing do you know what Adam Carolla calls uh, calls this uh, amongst his football friends? Just to piss them off because they're all tough guys. He calls it fairy tale football instead fairy of tale yeah. football, just to just to tick them off, you know, because they're all tough guys. I love that. Nice, nice. Um, so I would say you know the Oscars are coming up, so let's just do a a draft of Oscar winners. Okay, so. It could be the actor, it could be a film, and it could be for best screenplay, whatever it is. Let us draft Oscar winners. Wince, how about, uh, since our guest is probably a bit new to this, let's have you start off. I'll go mid, and then that way he kind of gets a little bit of a chance to kind of see. Sure, sure. I'm going to go with, why can I not think of his name? I just went blank. Um, For Gangs of New York. And he also played Abraham Lincoln. Oh, you're going real, real uh, character acting right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Is that who you're talking Day about? Daniel Day-Lewis, yes. He, he's yeah. won a few Oscars. I will go for, with him for my number one. Okay. Well, I know Quentin Tarantino picked up a couple Oscars for uh, Pulp Fiction and for many other ones. I'm going to pick. I say, hey, Blake, pick... I think he won uh, like music. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think that more goes to Ennio Morricone. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick uh, Quentin Tarantino, I guess. So I'm going to go with Frances McDormand. Uh, she won, of course, for Fargo. And I, I think she might have won for Nomadland. Is that right? I believe she did. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good one. It's a great, great one. And then uh, going with now, my 
what about like on the technical side? Like, can I go with a movie's technical award or? Is yeah, technical? why not? I, I'm gonna go with one that I feel like doesn't get enough attention. I'm a huge fan of the movie Speed, the Keanu Reeves movie, and it has the greatest sound and sound design. And a lot of people don't realize it won the Oscar for sound design. Nice. You know what? Yeah, I I, I don't I don't that. hate that choice at all. I think that's definitely a sleeper choice. You may say. Well, if we're going to go, you know, I'm going to follow suit with it with Tim and I am going to go with also a technical movie and say Mad Max Fury Road, which it won a lot of awards. It has not been slept on, but that movie freaking kicks ass. It's great. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that speed has been slept on just that n- no one thinks of that as an award for the winning. True. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. This is this is more of an obvious. Um, John Williams. That man has won many Oscars, and uh, his music has just changed lives. Um, and he might have the most fandom when it comes to, to music. Sure. And and then I'm gonna go with Lord of the Rings. It, it also, or, oh, just Lord of the Rings in general. <laughs> Lord of the Rings in general, but I want to go with just their specific songs that won. You know, I, I love their original songs. That uh, you're picking Enya. Uh, yes, no. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? For original song, we go with Eminem. Eight Mile didn't he win? And he didn't show up. And then later on, he performed. Uh, Maybe. Isn't this great? What a fun game. Nobody knows the real answers. We're all just totally... <laughs> I'd like to go with the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. I believe he won Best Actor. Well, uh, <laughs> no, he you can't. You can't prove that he did. Lose Yourself, 2003. Okay. Uh, he, yeah, the thing is, he didn't show up because he thought it was a joke. And then, wow. like, two or three years ago, within the past five years, he performed his song. And it also got a lot of controversy because... Martin Scorsese and Billie Eilish were like, who is this guy? I don't, I don't know what's going on because it wasn't in the list of normal songs that were going to be performed. I, I, remember, yeah. I remember how shocking it was when uh, It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp was one of the songs that was performed at the Oscars. And I said, <laughs> I've lost touch with uh, the class and gala of the Oscars. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um then I guess I'm going to go with Parasite. It won Best Picture 29, uh, I guess 2020 for 2019 films. And yeah, that's just a great movie. I was so glad that it that it was just like the first foreign film to ever win Best Picture. It's just an incredible film. Excellent. Uh, if it's back to me and I'm picking something for the Oscars, I am going to announce the uh, <clears throat> South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Blame Canada song. Shout out. Good one. Nice. And uh, Tim, you get to go one more time here. Okay, great, great. Um, by the way, uh, he didn't he didn't win, but uh, Jay Davidson was nominated for uh, The Crying Game, and I just, I love The Crying Game. It's I've went back and watched that so many times. So damn good. Um, okay, if I'm going to go on one to go out here, and I'm tempted to go with Stephen Wright for the, his short film because he's known as the comedian the one-liner guy but uh, very few people realize he won an oscar um i'm gonna go instead i am going to go with kathy bates for misery that's what i'm gonna do she's nice she's she's an all-star 
you know, my man James Cameron, he just he just barely made another great movie, and I just barely saw Titanic in theaters with the uh, 25th anniversary. I'm going to pick uh, Titanic and, and James Cameron in general as a best director. Guillermo del Toro for um, The Color of Water, you know, that was... That the Shape of Water? Uh, shape of shape Water, of water yeah. Like, what a great... Yeah. Great. What was I think? I was thinking of the Bruce Willis uh, sex movie, right? Uh, what was that? The Color of Night. Have you ever seen that? That's so. That's <laughs> no, I, I have not seen that one. Come on, I, I will you say, gotta see it. <laughs> I, I will say the one thing that I hated about The Shape of Water and the Oscars is Doug Jones was not nominated. And that man did most of the work, you know? And Octavia Spencer was nominated. And she was barely in the movie, you know what I mean? And it's because you don't see Doug Jones's face because he's in the costume and makeup, and yet he brought the whole movie together, you know? Um, and so many times, uh, sorry, this is my like half rant on the Oscars, but anyone in costume or doesn't show their face will not be nominated. Like huh. Andy Serkis, we all know, should have been nominated for Gollum. You know, or Planet of the Apes as Caesar. Right. But he's not showing his human face. And that's why, like, we've got in any of the Marvel movies, they constantly take off their mask. <laughs> like, why should they be taking off their mask? They're in a battle um, just to show off their face. <laughs> Quince, how about you? Uh, you finish oh, up with our one. Just do one more here. One more. Okay. I was going to do a best picture. Not a lot of people think it's his best one, but I personally think it's Scorsese's best one is The Departed. I love that movie. Interesting. Um, uh, there, there are other great ones. He does phenomenal ones, but I just, I think that was one of my favorite gangster movies. Um, uh, and uh, I, it, it's one that I kind of come back to sometimes if I want to, good gritty movie fascinating yeah. I, I live in vegas so there I'm, I'm all about the uh you know there's a mob museum and a lot of mob history here in vegas uh, when i think of great mob movies I, I think about um you know goodfellas and casino mm -hmm. and, um yeah I, oh, donnie brosco i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of really great ones i maybe i should go back and try it again wasn't the departed really long though is that the one with nicholson and uh leonardo DiCaprio? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I think it was the like kind of brutal ending that really got me. I wasn't expecting uh, when when people died. I guess. Yeah, I I've been meaning to uh, go back and rewatch that, and I just barely picked up the Criterion re-release of the original film that it's based off of, Internal Affairs. So I've been wanting to to actually get around to watching those. It's great when a movie has a shocking twist ending and i'm not just talking about Shyamalan movies but i'm saying like for example like a more nihilistic like uh the cabin in the woods you know when uh, they decide mm -hmm. ah, everyone should just die it's, it's nice that you know uh the girl didn't save the day you know i, I like i like something that's uh, art for art's sake and it doesn't have to follow the expected script you know i agree that's so much that's so much better when they're not willing to just play by the same rules and just kind of be like nope we're doing something different you know, and I think James Gunn likes that with Suicide Squad and just like killing people you weren't expecting. And... 
Oh yeah, was, uh, James Gunn. Yeah, for sure. I um I know James Gunn through Troma, and uh, I was actually hanging out with him before he did Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and I know Dave Bautista uh, as well. But um, we were all poking fun at him because he was doing a movie about a talking raccoon. So we all at the time thought it was going to be the first bomb from Marvel, and little did we know that movie's great. Like that's in my it's opinion, Star Wars of I think it's great. Yeah. He nailed it. Like that was that's the only Marvel movie that I have gone and seen in theaters three times. And yeah, I I loved Guardians of the Galaxy. It nailed one of the things that so many like team-based movies, like if you go back and watch like Mighty Ducks, it's just like the people just kind of fail and they're they're like they just don't want to like get along for forever. And that's like the whole movie. It's just like, oh, we can't work as a team. And I like that. In Guardians of the Galaxy, they just had everybody, like, immediately, they're like, we're all thrown in jail. Hey, guys, if we want to get out, let's just work together. Cool, cool, cool. And, like, they all just do it from then on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yep, that's how you're, how, that's how it should work. It was, a, it was a beautiful movie. There were shots that was well planned and laid out. There's just these little moments that he didn't need to put in the movie that really get me. There's a moment where the ball is rolling and you would expect somebody to get in the way or for it to fall down and Gamora picks it up. And the way it's shot, it looks like you expect it to fall off or something's gonna... Nope, she picks it up. That scene where the where he grows the flower and he plucks it and gives it to that little girl, Groot I'm talking about, when Groot plucks his flower and gives it to the little girl, you didn't have to have that in there. And it's beautiful. With The moment when um, the character that uh, what's his name? The guy who always does movies with Will Ferrell. You know who I'm talking about? The comedian guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't think of his uh, name. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Yeah. Yes. When you know you've seen him and you've heard him talk through the movie, but you haven't seen who he was with. And there's something about when he embraces the interracial family that he's with in the alien mm-hmm. planet that just you know, oh my gosh, it just you know it it. it Anyway, I, I just I what a gifted what a gifted fella. Nobody's perfect, but uh, James Gunn is is up there in my opinion. I'm rooting for him with DC. I hope he does. You know, oh, good same things. here, same here. Mm-hmm. When Guardians came out, uh, my brother was getting married in California, so we went for the wedding, and that was like the last time I went to, and the first time actually, I think I went to Disneyland in general. They did a sneak preview of Guardians of the Galaxy, and it was just that five minutes of him strutting down singing the song to grab the orb and they did like the 3d not 4d kind of theater where they you know they can sprinkle rain on you so when he's like picks the water you feel it in your face but it got me excited for the movie every time i see that scene i think of that as well (laughs) yeah he was so cool star lord was star lord was just cool And, you know, like anything else, we could pick it apart in a couple of scenes here and there where it's like you suspend. (laughs) But a good movie will do that to you. A good movie, Mm -hmm. you're just all in. You're invested. You know, off the top of my head, an example of that would be when uh, Rocket rams the spaceship right in to where they're at. And anybody with half a brain would be like, he could have just killed him. He could have just killed the people he was trying to save, you know. But uh, or or when uh, Star-Lord took his mask off and he gave the guy his coordinates. Aren't you going to be dead in space in seconds? You know, how fast is he going to make it up there to save him? But it doesn't matter because it's just damn good. It's it's it made me fall in love with um, um, what's the girl, the the Gamora's sister uh, Nebula. Is it Nebula? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, she was freaking great. And just overall, what a what a great freaking. I've went back and rewatching in the theater three times. Me, too, man. I, I kept going back to the theater and I, I rewatched the sequel probably 
three times as well because I want to love it as much, and I, I don't. I think the third act is way too convoluted. I think there's too much going on. But overall, and Rocket was a dick. Like, the Sovereign, I know the Sovereign are, is supposed to be like, oh, you hate them. Why? Because they're pompous and shiny. Like, Rocket stole from them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're the bad ones here. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It didn't quite do it for me. I. I am still looking forward to number three. That it feels like that's going to be the uh, the best one that we've we've gotten from uh, Marvel Phase Four. Did you, but Tim, did you watch? Did you watch yeah. the Christmas special? You know, I didn't. I I still haven't seen that. It's on Disney. I, I've missed a lot. Yeah, yeah, it, it's good. And you know what? For the, I, I won't spoil it for Al, but I totally called what was going to happen after the first that first movie is that that character needed to be in the uh, MCU. I won't uh, spoil Kevin any more Bacon? than that. Yes. Oh, are you talking about, are you talking uh, about every, Warlock? Every... You're talking about Adam Warlock? <laughs> I'm talking about Kevin Bacon. When he oh. first mentions him, he's like, Kevin Bacon needs to be in the MCU they, that they meet him. Um, that just needs to happen. Yeah, I did. I did hear that he was he was in that one. Well, you know, we could totally go on for hours about Marvel and DC, but Tim, we've invited you on here to talk about the noodles of Noodland and also Maslin Beach. Yeah. So I went through, I, I, I watched Noodles of Noodland a couple weeks ago, like almost right after you sent it to me. But uh, I ended up watching Maslin Beach uh, just this morning. I, I was like, oh, shoot, I, I had kind of forgotten that I had put that one off a little bit. So I finally got around to watching that one this morning. Yeah. So, you know, when, when we first chatted, you sent me like a list of movies that you could have talked about. You, you added Maslin Beach, Act Naturally, Somebody I Used to Know, Educating Julie, uh, Naked Gardens. You know, tell me, tell me, why did you pick this movie? Well, uh, like I warned you ahead of time, I wasn't picking this because it's a good movie and I wasn't picking it because I love it. I was picking it because you were asking what inspired me to do Noodles. And the truth is the reason I put my money where my mouth was and made the Noodles of Noodlin is because nudist comedies suck. They're not good. They either have problems with writing or humor or it doesn't have real nudists or they're embarrassed to be naked. There's a lot of things we could break down in all the different uh, attempts at a nudist comedy. And when I say that, I'm not talking about things like uh, Nude on the Moon. I'm not talking about nudie cutie movies. I'm talking about movies that supposedly have nudists in mind. True people who live at nude resorts, go to nude beaches, participate in the World Naked Bike Ride, go on naked boating events, belong to non-landed clubs. There is an entire lifestyle all over the world of actual body positive nudists who simply want to live a non-sexual, uh, non-textile lifestyle. And so when somebody comes along and they say, I'm going to make a nudist movie, Oftentimes, the nudists are the butt of the joke, or they uh, are done by somebody trying to cash in on, hey, look, some naked people, or it's done by somebody who has a lot of buyer's remorse, and you can tell with the way they shot the movie that they're dancing around people being naked. And um, as I went down that list, I mean, I, I can, uh, I know the, like you said, I know the movies I suggested to you. Uh, I'll take Act Naturally for, for an example. So Act Naturally was uh, a movie shot at a nudist resort. I've been to the resort. I know the director and writer of the movie. I actually created a nude stand-up comedy tour with the lead 
lead actress from that movie. She does not identify as a nudist. She is not a nudist. She is a Hollywood opportunist. And she's like, how much is it? Yeah, I'll get naked for that. But she's not a nudist. And so when you watch the movies... <laughs> so all your American Pie movies are out. Uh. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Naked run my ass. Um, so, so yeah, so, so you got this movie and it has lines in it like, I know you guys aren't big on swearing, but they... Um, the, in the movie, they say, I want to fuck your smell. That's a line in the movie. And they dance around nudity like it's an Austin Powers parody. Like people are, you know, carrying clipboards and all this kind of garbage. So it ends up having less nudity than a non-nudist movie, which is insulting for people who live in the lifestyle. I do want to, like, focus on uh, one of the things that you mentioned, like that the actress in it, you called her an opportunist, you know, she's just looking, uh, she's not an actual nudist. Why do you feel like it's necessary for the actor to be an actual nudist? Well, they, they don't have to be, if they're not, if it's just a movie um, that happens to have nudism in it, um, you're right. They're an actor. That's. I mean, they could be playing a Nazi. It doesn't mean they're really Nazis. That's fine. Right. But when they then go into marketing and try to sell it as a, a nudist movie for nudists, I'm particularly annoyed. And when I say that about her, what I'm what I'm thinking of is when I did the fully nude stand up comedy tours, and we would invite press like the L.A. Times and people like that to come to a show, and they're interviewing her. They want to talk to nudists because it's our audiences were full of naked people who came because they live at local resorts and all this kind of. They want to participate in the lifestyle and they want to look up to these people. Like, wow, you're one of us. And then they sit down to interview and they say, so how long have you been a nudist? Oh, I'm not a nudist. So you immediately disconnect uh, yourself from the fans. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I understand where you're coming from on that. Like, I mean, you have a, plenty of people who are, you know, you could be a Nazi in a film, but like, even if you were to go for something a little bit, you know, something that people don't just necessarily abhor, but like, you know, you have somebody who maybe is a professional chef in the show. And yeah. if you like talk with them, if they didn't do any preparation for it and they're just like, yeah, I, I just like showed up to some scenes. I had my hand double do all the all the parts where it's preparing food or something like that, you would, you would kind of feel a little bit cheated that you're like, oh, well, I, I thought you were like getting into this thing. Yeah, like you I, would I've, hope worked, that... I've worked in pro wrestling, in professional wrestling, and uh, there's a tag team called the Dynamic Dudes, and they were supposed to be skateboarders. Well, one of the guys would skateboard down to the ring. The other guy always carried his board. Well, the fans turn on it because they saw through the ruse. You're not a real skateboarder. You don't really yeah. skateboard. What is this? If I was a regular on a TV show where I was supposed to be a rock star and I always carried a guitar around me, but I never played anything. I don't know, man. I just feel like it's uh, you know a little. I, I just I'm not a big fan of it. So in particular, because he shot it at a nudist resort and tries to claim it's a real nudist film, but all it has is like the contracts with the actors in it literally broke down to. How many seconds of nudity will will I have in this movie? How many minutes of nudity will you have? And then dance around that based on how you shoot it, all the angles. And uh, it's just, just lame. And then the non-sexual aspect of it, I just told you, I want to fuck your smell. That's a line in the movie when it's supposed to be non-sexual nudism. It's like the, the guy... Uh, a fraud you didn't really get it but moving off from that one uh, i mean i can go through you know all i'm not going to go through all of them but like uh someone yeah. i used to know okay that's the one that just came out on amazon prime and it's by allison brie 
on uh, Conan O'Brien, uh, she did an appearance where she talked about going to an art school where she was naked there and she used to go streaking and she used to hang out naked in trees and it was so silly and all this. You know, I did a nude stand-up yeah, comedy show. Yeah, I remember that interview. Okay, yeah. so you know, so I, I did a nude stand-up comedy show at that college. The college claims that never happened. The college says that's not how they run things. And my nude stand-up comedy show was in like a back area on the campus where they kept us away from people. So this supposed nude positive campus doesn't exist. I'm not saying that she didn't necessarily do it, but it was more like, you know, a drunk college kid doing this thing. It's not like a culture where that was accepted and everybody was cool with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then so the movie comes out and this one most recently, it's called uh, Someone I Used to Know. She keeps saying that she's a nude to her character in the movie and there's a part where her and a friend go streaking and when they go running across this uh, golf course there's three adult men and one underage boy who are golfing when the two naked ladies run by and the little boy is like whoa naked girls and the guys chastise him and say don't look at her don't be a pervert don't look at the naked ladies don't be a pervert and then he runs after them and they're like, no, no, don't, don't look at them. Don't be a pervert. Imagine for a second, the genders were reversed and it was me and my guy friend who are running naked by three adult women with their underage girl. Who's the pervert in this situation? Mm, right. Yeah. It's going to seem like you are. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it's things, things like this that uh, ruffle my feathers. I just feel like if you're going to do it, do it right. Um, otherwise, you're, you're missing the message. Is her message supposed to be that, you know, body positivity is a good thing and it's okay to be non-sexually nude? Okay, well then, why is the little boy a pervert when you ran by him naked? Mm, yeah. So, anyway, it ends at a nudist resort and uh, there's like a happy, smiley, naked interaction. But even that, she gets a, uh, a tits and bush joke in and it's just... I don't know, buddy. It's uh, it's an uphill battle. I'm hoping to God that by the time I die, by the time I'm 80, there's going to be more non-sexual accepted nudity. But, you know, if you look at the way things are, are going, it certainly doesn't seem to be going that way. Do you know, I don't know if you get into distribution when you talk to filmmakers and stuff, but the biggest distribution opportunity for independent filmmakers like myself is AVOD. So there's the three ways you can do it. There's either AVOD, SVOD, or TVOD. And that's video on demand, and there's three different ways. TVOD is transactional video on demand. So that's like you go to Amazon and then you choose to buy a movie you can watch it for three dollars that's transactional then there's svod subscription video on demand that's like netflix hulu stuff like that mm -hmm. and then there's avod well avod is when you watch it for free but they put ads through it okay violence in america they love you know chopping off heads and stuff but what do they not want they don't want their ads running around nudity so if you're trying to sell your independent film, a majority of the streaming services where you're going to make the most money now don't want any nudity in your film. Mm. And I know that because we just sold Hell's Coming for You. And uh, we ended up going with Indie Rights. And in order for Indie Rights to pick it up, we had to cut two minutes of nudity. Wow. Interesting. So I'm sorry to get all techie on you guys. No, but I'm a no, this no, is, no. This, this is, is this. Part of what these, we want, yeah. Yeah, exactly. What he, he just said is that these we want these kind of understandings of the film industry as people who aren't at it in it at all. So 
It's great. Yeah, so that's that's a situation. So it's going to be the uncensored version on Blu-ray and DVD. But when it comes to streaming and you watch my movie, it's going to have two minutes of nudity cut from it. Now they'll they'll let us. We open by killing a family on the beach. We gun them down, and it's blood, and it's a family, and it's kind of like you know Bruce Wayne watching his parents die in an alley. It's that kind of thing. Uh, it's an amphicar <laughs> shooting down a family. My point is, nobody has any problem with that. You know, all the biggest uh, Walmart will run an ad right after a little kid gets head blown off. But God forbid we show a boob, you know. Right. So with Maslin Beach, like I, I assume that you probably try to. I'm I'm sure that you try to consume all these movies um, as soon as you like became a little bit more like a nudist and whatnot. But when did you see Maslin Beach for the first time? So Maslin Beach was, I was in California and I was always open for anything that was nudist related. And when I heard about it, I don't know where I heard about it, probably within nudist circles because nudists are always talking about, hey, I discovered this. Hey, here's a nudist yeah. comic book. Here's a nudist album. Here's a whatever. And um, it's like vegans or any other subculture. And, uh, yeah. and I, somebody told me about it. And I this was back when Netflix would mail you DVDs. And I got a DVD of it sent to me and I watched it and I was just... I guess inspired is the right term, but not inspired because it's so damn good, but because it's so flawed. Because uh, the, the thing I'll give it, you guys both watched it, it is, for the majority of it, full nude bodies, and it's not framed or shot in a way that's trying right. to avoid genitalia or trying to avoid uh, naked kids on the beach or any of the other stuff that, uh, you know, nudist films have to take into account and they have to deal with. So it, what it was was a series, <laughs> a series of ridiculous attempted at comedy skits on a nude beach. It's like a nudist Saturday Night Live is the way I look at it. Yeah, I just I considered it like a bunch of just little vignettes. All these people trying to tell their own version of a nudist story rather than have like everything happen to one main character. It's like, well, like all these things probably wouldn't happen to just one person, but it's kind of fun to spread it out a little bit more, give a little bit more flavor to the dialogue, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah, it's you know, the 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 sound is what it is. And I mean, I've got notes in front of me too, because I, I rewatched it in preparation for this. You know, it's so slow, horrible writing, all this kind of stuff. I and mean, we could break down all the individual little uh, scenes and setups. And, you know, why does the same person, when you look, I don't know if you guys have ever actually been to a nudist beach, but when you get naked, you stay naked. That's why you're at the beach. So it's kind of funny. These people get naked, and then the next time you see them, they're topless. And the next time you see them, they're wearing a sunskirt or whatever. Um, sundress oh right and then you know yeah. like the like the the kid for example like naked and then has shorts on the naked and then has shorts on has the pendant they keep going in various stages of dress and undress so it was obvious like the director didn't care about any sort of continuity like why would you go to the beach get naked and then put some clothes back on and then get naked again and then put half your clothes on and then get naked again so and the fact that it kept chipping like connecting back in with some of the connective story tissue like the ridiculous ice cream truck vendor and uh Anyway, it was uh, it's something that stands out to me because it was almost there. You had so many elements of a good nudist film. You have a naked, beautiful beach. You have people willing to get nude, and you have uh, the crew and the. I mean, there's so what they were missing, in my opinion. I, I'm open to hear what you guys you know thought of it. Um, but it it needed tighter writing. It didn't need to go for the easiest, cheapest joke book joke. And um, it could have used some better actors. You know, the, the timing is off. The pacing is off. Anyway, but I'll, I'll, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. 
I mean, I'll, I'll briefly talk just a, a bit, but I mean, we're, we're mostly here to uh, kind of discuss like your, your version of, of it all. And, and so that we can uh, understand all the elements that, that you felt like were, were super important. You know, one thing that I noticed, and I maybe wanted to kind of draw this conclusion a little bit later on, but I noticed that with Maslin Beach, they had a lot of sex in it. And, you know, that's something that you have combated against and said, hey, why can't we have nudity without sex? Sure. Like, without, mm-hmm. you know, that inherent, like, you're trying to combat with your own film, it feels like, the idea that because you want to be nude, you don't, doesn't mean that you necessarily want to be constantly having sex or be some sex-crazed kind of person. And uh, I noticed that, you know, in Maslin Beach, you have like the woman who has like the therapist and Mm -hmm. the daddy issues and stuff like that. And she's just like trying to have sex with everybody. And I was like, you know, that that's one of the moments that I was kind of picturing might be a a big thing for you of like, you know, I don't like that is that it's it's just that she's trying to have sex with everybody, including her dad subconsciously. Line. Right. And that was the punchline at the end of it. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that definitely, um, stood out like another thing that in rewatching it, um, I thought it was kind of dumb when they had the Zen guy playing his instrument and then the girls trimming another girl's pubic hair while she's reading a book. So there was Such a weird one. Yeah. So there's, and how about the line where the guy's looking between the girl's legs and he says, God's not between your legs, but heaven is. I'm just like, Ugh, you know, so of course, and it's, it's an interesting line and an interesting conversation because I'm, I'm 42 and I live in Las Vegas. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that all nudists are nuns. You know what I mean? Like some of them cross over into the lifestyle and, uh, and they are swingers or they, you know, whatever, but as, as a blanket organization and group nudists aren't and it's more about loving yourself and being body positive but here's the thing in me we're sitting here and wanting to rip the movie apart and tell you why this is wrong that's wrong that's wrong this is wrong on the sexual side i also have to tell you that a very famous nude beach in san diego called black's beach has a stripper pole on the beach now now, how can I sit here and tell you that nudists are non-sexual and that's how it is? Really? Because you're not going to find a stripper pole on a clothed beach. So, you know, there there's an element of that that is in the culture where they, sadly, a lot of people go to it um, with preconceived notions about sex and hooking up and all that kind of stuff. I, I guess to compartmentalize the jokes and the humor, I'd have to ask myself, would they do this same setup if they were clothed? If this was a movie about life at a beach and it wasn't called Maslin Beach, because that's an actual nudist beach in, in Australia, <laughs> but if it was just, you know, uh, Apple Beach in Louisiana, uh <laughs> Um, probably be a lake then, right? They don't, they don't, Louisiana doesn't connect to the ocean, but, um, uh, by the water, would they do those jokes? If, if they were all wearing bikinis and, and swim trunks, would they do those same jokes with the setup about her wanting to fuck all these other guys and have sex with her therapist? And then her dad shows up. Would that have played if it was a Saturday night life live sketch where they pretended to be at a beach? Well, Saturday Night Live is in decline, so it could. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, man, go woke, go broke. That's what I say. I, I, I did have a question in general for you. With 
the movement like free the nipple do you see in the future nudist films being welcomed uh, by the general public well the, the the culture has to answer is yes the longer answer is i'm not quite sure how we're going to get there because i see a lot of things that are currently um chipping away at the situation okay okay for example I just gave you the example about how trying to sell an independent film without a ton of money, if you want to get, if you want to make money on the back end, you have to sell it to a distributor who doesn't want nudity. Okay, I was the guy who told you that. Now I'm telling you, we all know how much money people make off OnlyFans, and there's an entirely different streaming system out there where people are making money off being naked. And I know that's that's sexual, but I said only fans, but there are nudists that I know who have non-sexual but body positive naked streaming platforms where you subscribe for it, whether it be Patreon or um, there's all these other different competing services. So when I made the Noodles of Noodland, a lot of the younger contingency of nudists out there reached out to me and they instead they encouraged me, instead of making a nudist movie, Tim, why don't you create a nudist channel? Why don't you do a, a nudist tourist show where you go to beaches and resorts and events and clubs and uh, you know every week you put up a new video? My One of my uh, co-producers on the movie, Corky Stanton runs clothesfree.com. It's been around for over a decade. He does very well and he updates um uh, you know a uh, 12 to 30 minute video every week. And so what I'm trying to tell you is yes, do I I think we're going to have a nudist channel. I think just like you have Lifetime and all this other stuff, I I think that it will get accepted. It'll get understood it's just there's some of the some of the infighting and bickering along the way have to be moved out of the way you know there's there's drama amongst nudist content creators and right now people don't all get along they don't all work together and it's going to take somebody breaking it to the forefront like if you go on roku and you try to look for a nudist channel there's a ton that people are attempting to do but they don't have the content or they don't have the quality of content and so at a certain point somebody's going to break out and there's going to be like a naked the the daily show you know what i mean where some nudist is talking about topics and issues and things and he's getting real about it and it's entertaining and it's fun and you're not going to be able to jerk off to it you know it, it's it's just going to be uh, it's going to illuminate this other this other perspective that's out there that is not getting a lot of attention it's an underrepresented group and in america we love to you know get behind other causes you know uh, lgbt stuff and, and and all that so what about the most simplest cause of all, which is to be the way you were born? Why is that a crime for you to walk around literally how you were born? Right. Well, okay. So walk me through this next little timeline uh, of your of your thought process. So you saw this movie, you're in college, versus when you decided to actually make Noodles of Nudeland. Um you know, there, there's a big gap of time in there. What what eventually clicked for you to be like, you know what, I... Did you watch this movie multiple times and then, you, like, on the fourth time you were saying, like, okay, I really need to make a movie? Because you said people were telling you, make all these other things. What, what solidified to you that you were like, I need to make a movie and not just a channel? Well, I watched Maslin Beach when I was out of college. So I said I moved to California. Oh, sorry, yeah. I moved to California. I started working in TV and doing stand-up comedy and all this other stuff. Sold some screenplays and Maslin Beach. And then uh, amongst that time, I was doing lots of 
other content that was not nudist uh, related, but I created a nude stand-up comedy tour and did I did lots of stuff. And along the way, I had an idea for a nudist horror movie called uh, um, Naked Alien Massacre. And so I wrote the screenplay and I tried to raise money and I couldn't do it. And J.P. Riley was doing Act Naturally around that time and he was shooting it at that resort. And um, anyway, I went and visited with him and I watched an early cut and we talked about some stuff. And um, so this is all influencing me while I was trying to raise money to shoot Naked Alien Massacre, which is a fully nude horror movie. And the tagline was finally a horror movie with balls, if you, if you get that. <laughs> and uh, and so, so, yeah, it was and I love it. I still love it to this day. It's my uh, it's my it's my I'm gonna get it done before I'm dead movie and uh, so anyway then I tried to do another uh, nudist comedy called um, what's it called anyway you can find the Kickstarter uh, or the Indiegogo one of them anyway it was just a nudist comedy and I tried to get it done and I, I didn't um, I didn't raise the the money for it for a long time I always tried to convince Joe Hollywood to give me the opportunity. Like I, I would work on other people's projects, but I wasn't able to get my own off the ground completely. Um, and it's yeah. very frustrating. I'm sure you've heard this from other directors and stuff, but like, for example, I signed a deal with the country music channel where I got the funding and the opportunity to shoot uh, an entire season of a television show. And then they shelved it. They never aired it. Uh, yeah, so that happened to me. And then uh, same with a bunch of other pilots. And I, I worked on movies that never came out. And I was getting very frustrated. So anyway, I had to change some things about the way that I look at the industry. And instead, I started getting um, some things done by being a little bit more selfish and stop trying to uh, impress other people and put my foot down and say, I need to do this and this and it's going to happen this way. And if you don't like it, F off. Like, you know, and so once I started doing that, I made a bunch of successful projects like uh, Unchained with Eric Roberts. And um, anyway, so I was getting some clout and I had some opportunity and I made a movie in Las Vegas called Hell's Coming For You, which is the one that we just sold to Indie Rights. Um, okay. And so I took uh, I took that. Basically, I was I was riding off of that, which was a really... Uh, the biggest the biggest production that I've ever done where I wrote it, I produced it, I played one of the leads, I cast it, I got the locations, I got the insurance, I got, like, it was my movie, you know? And, uh, and I took that to finally give me the little bit of confidence to say, I'm going to make a naked comedy, and I don't have the money to do a horror film with all the extra stuff I would need, but... I can pull favors and get a nudist uh, bed and breakfast. I can, you know, get cameos from nudists, notable nudists in the industry. I can work with uh, a famous podcasts and work with Clothes Free International and all these. Just basically pull favors and bring people together, you know, ask for a little bit of investment of money and put my own money into it as well. That whole movie, everything, post-production, music, insurance, food, the acting, everything was under 40 grand, which I know there's a, a plus and a minus to say budgets for movies. The guy who made Primer <laughs> always regrets telling people that it was like $6,000 or whatever, you know, because that's all people ever say. Oh, it's pretty good for $6,000. But I feel like it's important to tell people that because there's people sitting around thinking that they have to raise a million dollars to do a movie. Noodles and Noodlin is on four streaming services and we're doing a Blu-ray and DVD deal with Allied Vaughn. Have I gotten rich off of it? No. Has everyone gotten paid back? Yes. Have I made a profit? Yes. And it influenced a guy who works with Clint Eastwood and just did a, a movie called Sweetwater with uh, Jeremy Piven and a bunch of other people to approach me and put up the budget to shoot 
reboot a nudist uh, TV show called Naked and Not Afraid, which is like an America's Got Talent, but for nudists, we shot the first season of it, and it's in post-production right now. So uh, if nothing else, I just want to encourage people to, if they have some crazy outlandish idea, then that's what they should go after. That's what they should do. And uh, so that's... That's what made me do it. And it was watching movies like Maslin Beach and Educating Julie and, uh, you know, all, all this other stuff that I, I kept cringing. I kept saying, ah, oh, if only, ah, oh, if only. And I'm not trying to say, like, I'm sure we'll get into it at some point. I'm not saying The Noodles of Noodling is the greatest cinematic piece of artwork. I, I understand it could be compared to Edward movies or The Room. But what you can't tell me is that it's not a true nudist comedy because it has nudists in it and it's backed by people who are active in the nudist community the guy who plays the uh the um a premier uh mustache uh prime minister <laughs> prime minister pierre mustache. Right. that is stefan Deshane, who runs a three million dollar nudist resort in canada called bear oaks and he has a very successful nudist podcast called the naturist living show podcast so when people show up in my movie it's because they work in the industry they own resorts they're running uh nudist boating events or they run a naked pottery class or they're naked actors or whatever the hell we literally put our our money where our mouth is and i wanted to show people a little slice of what they're really like and unlike some other movies if you went to Bates Beach in California on a Sunday there's a chance you're going to run into all of us out there playing volleyball and that I think is cool that is cool I do like okay, I got a question I know this is kind of a little off topic because it's not about those movies but this is just a fun question that came to my mind and uh, I'll pose it to you too Al what movie do you think would maybe it would make it better if everyone was nude in it. Mm. I'll I'll tell you I'll I'll try not to be long winded. I'm sorry. I know I talk a lot. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is a post post apocalyptic movie. Like you mentioned, Mad Max earlier. What if they're all naked? Mm. It's not bad. Yeah. I'm thinking. What if you? Like, you, you go to this big extreme, you're like, oh, everybody's naked. But then, like, it's just Muppet Christmas Carol or something like that, where it's like, it doesn't even matter. Um, but, um, no, I'm thinking, actually, I had a real one uh, in my in my mind for a sec. I mean, like, what, what do you think of the, the original Star Wars? Just everyone was naked because they're in space. You know, they're just yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of why I mentioned the uh, post-apocalyptic. I, I feel like it, it'd be cool to take them out of the element of, for example, way in the future or another, uh, you know, uh, aliens or something where that's the norm. Because one of the big things for people who try something nudist for the first time is you're sitting around thinking, oh, you know, uh, it's going to be weird, it's going to be uncomfortable. No, no, no. When you show up and you have clothes and everyone else is naked, who looks like the weirdo? Very early on, everyone's like, oh, oh, this is just the way it is, and and you immediately adapt to it. So one of the greatest compliments, if you if you look up my movie, it has, it has a ton of reviews and uh, a ton of notice, which is really exciting. And some of the stuff I enjoy that people say about my movie is that they forget they're naked. When somebody watches my movie, they forget that we're all naked. And I love that. That's what I want. I want to normalize nudity. Yeah. Um, I think I'll, I'll, I'm going to pick just just any Woody Allen movie, you know, there, there's already so many thoughts about just like how awkward he's feeling. Make them all nude. Make it, make everybody a little bit more comfortable that way. Where I they was going to say, have I like think we would less... all be even more awkward seeing him. <laughs> <naked>. <laughs> to see him. 
But yeah. But I, I think that that kind of like what he thrives on was like that, you know, that neurotic, uh, you know, energy and whatnot. And, and like, it, it seems like nudists are just so much more casual. I think it would change his joke structure. Um, you know, you just put Woody Allen and all of, all of the characters into something and okay, now, now you don't have clothing as like one other thing. Uh, I think that Woody Allen would probably actually do a pretty good job of like, making making other comparisons adapting the material in a in a certain way yeah i would think or what if like jurassic park was a nudist colony as well oh uh and it's totally it's totally fine because i know you're you're visiting this for the first time but colony is uh like the n-word for nudist just so you know oh sorry it's you have to uh, say resort yeah, it's it's a, resort. it's a way to marginalize people it's like from from like way in the 70s or whatever like those people they live in a nudist colony nowadays it's resorts beaches non-landed clubs all that kind of stuff just an antiquated i guess maybe maybe because also colony you think of like leper colony yeah yeah sure i mean we're not ants we're not lepers uh you know that's even a line in some <laughs> movies where they they take it on directly and it's uh yeah, just if you're around actual lifestyle nudists, you'll notice nobody nobody says that. Nobody does that. It's uh, the way okay. to, uh, to immediately eliminate yourself. Like, oh, here's the new guy. Here's somebody who doesn't know. Uh, you know, like I'll tell you something else that's kind of uh, fun. Anytime you're with a, an organ, a group of people who are outside the the regular people, they have a term for the regular people. Like the military has civilians, right? Uh, Christians mm-hmm. have secular. Well, uh, nudists have textiles. So. <laughs> nice. Oh. So uh instead of Jurassic Park, Jurassic Resort. Yeah. Jurassic Resort. Um <laughs> okay. So obviously you you would probably consider a movie like Maslin Beach. It it certainly has been an influence to yourself for the movie that you created. Um has it do you feel like it has influenced any other particular nudist films or um, are they all kind of independent of each other i think that uh people look at other uh successes and failures as an indicator on um what they should try what they should get into i know for an example that uh, josie konsky from um Astro Blue, the guy who does uh, a lot of big stuff out there in uh, in Hollywood, and he has a great story about uh, his name is Josie J O S I. And if you've ever seen the Outlaw Josie Wales with Clint Eastwood, that was named after him because he was shooting a spaghetti western over there around. He's an old dude, and uh, and they met each other out there, and they took his name for it. And so in retaliation, because they made <laughs> he hit the character named after him, years later he made a movie called uh, I think it's like Best Friends and Neighbors, and he cast Allison Eastwood. Clint Eastwood's daughter in the movie and she was doing a scene with one of the Baldwin brothers and she decided to get topless and uh, so he shot it because that was her uh, idea and then later he gets a call from Clint Eastwood where Clint's like uh, I heard my daughter got naked in your movie and Josie immediately went into yeah well you stole my name you uh, you went with your character based on my real name and he was like yeah <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, they, have a, they have a great uh, relationship and understanding. Allison's very cool, uh, very forward thinking. So, was was Madeline Beach a, a a critical success or anything? Uh, you you mentioned about success and, and whatnot. No, I I don't I don't think so. Um, I can look it up right now. So it came out in '97, and 
financed outside of the political funding system now controlling the Australian film industry. Maslin Beach demonstrates an interesting filmmaking strategy. No costumes, no sets, one location, and action contained within real time. The film features blah, 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 blah. Let's go down here. And try to find that budget. I know, I'm looking here. Even though most people lie about their budgets, right? According to ozmovies.com, it says that the budget started at 250000 but it was cut to 150000 Supposedly the tagline Supposedly the tagline is a cult success. Well, alright, that's one way to look at it. Yeah, I see that. It's, uh, Maslin Beach is shot like a documentary of the goings-on at a titular clothing optional beach in South Australia. Unfortunately, the dialogue and performances are totally at odds with that. It's like a zany sex comedy from the 70s. That's what I thought when I heard the music. Uh, the opening music and stuff, it reminded me of some kind of a waka waka, you know, out of streaker running around. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how I felt about it. Um... So I have another question. This is just me, general curiosity. You said that you worked with the nudist up in Canada. Yes. Like, yes. In, in my mind, if I were to be a nudist, I would want to be somewhere warmer because, like, Canada's pretty cold. And you can always add layers. But I don't know if I would want to take off layers in the freezing Right, it's uh, cold it's, of Canada. It's always nudist when, um, when it makes sense, when it's sane, when it, when it. Um, well, during mm -hmm. the winter months, um, they do a lot of stuff indoors, like heated pools and um, that type of uh, that type of stuff. You know, one of the things I want to point out is if you look at Maslin Beach on Rotten Tomatoes or any of those nudist films I gave you, most do not have even one review. So I feel really good that I have five reviews. And, uh, and look, I, I had tons of reviews, but only five that are associated with Rotten Tomatoes, which is kind of a bummer when you, you know, you have all these really great reviews, but the ones that are connected with Rotten Tomatoes aren't, uh, out of mind, it's like two positive and three that they didn't quite get it. Um, and there's some places I could go to, to get a little insider uh, knowledge. Do you know what Bunker 13 is? No. So, uh, Bunker 13 is a, uh, is a company that'll work with you to get Rotten Tomato positive uh, reviews so for the right price they will get you either 10 or 20 positive reviews now the way they get around that is they don't do a straight payola thing they have reviewers that they work with where they invest in their websites or their newspapers or whatever and then they just simply offer movies like hey these are some movies that you know would love to have reviews what do you think about them and if somebody says oh i don't like action movies they they say oh well then never mind but if they say oh i love action movies then they have them do that review and so uh mm. so you pay them and then you can get a drop of 10 or 20 depending on how much you pay them for so that's one of the things i as an independent filmmaker i was struggling with where i was like well shit you know for two thousand bucks i could have 10 positive reviews to go with my you know five that are on there legitimately now um but I, I don't know. I don't know that anybody looks at Rotten Tomatoes to make their decision. But my point is, if they wanted to, and you compare Act Naturally or Maslin Beach or Educating Julie or uh, any of this other stuff to what we've done, um, I'm pretty proud that we got some attention on there just organically, just by, um, you know, legitimately uh, doing our thing. Same with Film Threat, same with KFI in L.A. So 
There's a there's like a game, there's a card game in uh, England that uh, works with us where they have uh, the noodles and noodling on this body positive nudist uh, uh, card game called Sunburnt. So that's that's pretty exciting and cool. So it's always fun seeing where people discover it, where they found it, where it's popped up. So anyway. Uh, Quince, you, do you have any additional questions? I was thinking that maybe we could uh, fully transition to uh, Noodles of Noodland and, and just ask yeah, a few more it. questions. I, I kind of figured we were kind of talking about both in general. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, so one thing that I, I did have a question about just for the process is all these people, they're, they're used to being nude all the time. Did that change at all? Did any of them necessarily indicate that they felt uncomfortable being on film or just, uh, a little bit more hesitancy before they they were fully on board with with the film. I have two stories for that. Uh, the first one is Barb Wire, the uh, the tough as nails, uh, gruff nudist girl. Pamela Anderson oh, right. movie. <laughs> yes, yes. No. I, I don't know how you missed it. We had Pamela Anderson in my movie. <laughs> She's fallen on hard times. She did it for a ham sandwich. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> Barb Wire in my movie uh, asked me beforehand about the angles and about how she was going to be uh portrayed in the movie and i only want from the bottom to the right yeah exactly 100 look that's what happens in hollywood leslie jones does that now that i've told you you're going to start to notice she only shows one boob every time she gets topless she shows one breast and it's always the same one oh. so Okay. Anyway, um, she was asking if she could go over that about, you know, where and how. And I shut it down immediately. And I and I told her, like, that's one of my hard lines. I'm like, it's a nudist movie. You're going to be naked and we'll shoot where we shoot, how we shoot. If you're not comfortable with that, don't do it. Don't take the money. Don't accept the job. And uh, she took the job. But uh, but yeah, she thought that she could kind of, you know, go over that with me. And I'm like, no, no, I, I just, I don't have time for it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about it in post-production. Like, oh, we can't use this angle because she didn't like that angle. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, the other thing was um, the girl who plays my uh, ex, the ex who breaks up with me and then shows up at the end of the movie mm -hmm. that she's now a nudist in this little cameo. Um, she didn't want to be naked on camera. She was very encouraging and loving about us all being nudists, but you know, she She's in a band and she probably has a, a day job or something and she just didn't want to be naked on on camera well she's topless at the end giving the impression that she's fully nude and she's like woo so she trusted us to get topless on set and we we filmed her topless and then, you know, promised her that we were going to crop it below her, uh, above her nipples. And, uh, you know, that was, that was cool. Like I, it really meant a lot to me that she trusted us to not, you know, screw her over, you know, and, and just once we mm -hmm. had the footage, be like, ha you know, you're topless in our movie, you know? Um, so that, you know, that really, that really meant a lot. So, um, those are the two stories that immediately come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so a little on my background, I did uh, theater arts at Utah State, and I I enjoyed a lot of directing and writing and improv, not as much acting on my end, uh, at least standard play action, acting. Um, and I, for one of my directing classes, directed a long-form improv, and we had to hold auditions, and most people in the theater department are not improvisers. And so I also had to get people not in the theater department 
and people who've never done improv and, and try to teach them acting. How was that for, I would assume, most of these people are not normal actors. This is, you know, coming from a place that also usually, yeah, cameras are not shown all the time unless it's for journalism in, a, in that aspect. Well, well, at the top of the pyramid, I did use professional actors. Juliana Acosta is a classically trained theater actress. And she's also a director. So she works in L.A. in the theater scene. That's that's her full-time gig. Um, so she's a, a real-life nudist and an actress and a, a director. Um, the guy who played the reverse streaker and the guy who was always in his hammock, uh, that guy is a mm-hmm. hardcore devoted actor, and he's really great. Um, I cast him again. Uh, I've cast him in a few things, but uh, Hell's Coming for You, he plays one of the um, – one of the the killers there's kind of a uh, murderer's row of killers that this uh, bounty hunter makes his way down the list and he plays a character called dwarf and uh anyway no he he's he's very serious about it and he uh he's amazing and uh um al burke who plays the cop he plays a ton of cops he's been in music videos with uh a lot of a lot of really successful bands. Like if you look him up, he's been all over the place. He's been in. He was in uh, the Wedding Singer with you know Adam Sandler, and uh, he's he's done all kinds of stuff. So he's a very professional actor. Um, the guy who plays the demon who's tormenting us that's a that's a pro wrestler who's on the scene out here, and he's won championships and done all this kind of stuff. So, um, gotcha, yeah. so yes, there was. Here's an issue that you run into when you try to make a naked movie. The people who are the most talented actors have a fear about getting naked on camera and then the people who are willing to get naked on camera aren't the greatest actors so i knew that going in Mm -hmm. and i at least wanted to surround good talent with people who are willing to get naked you know that they're going to give it their best shot and the fact that it is oh oh um i didn't mean to cut him off um the hell is it joe filippone uh so joe was in the movie as well and he's um a, a working actor that i rehired for um hell's coming for you and he does tons of stuff that guy stay stays really busy um so i try to combine talented people with people who are willing to get naked and in on a joke uh as a matter of fact at the bed and breakfast which it wasn't a resort uh just so you know it, it was shot at a royal del sol in um it's the it's like a kind of milk um I always forget the name. Almond. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's a brand of breast. Altadena is what I was looking for. So uh, their, 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 their uh, bed and breakfast is in Altadena, California. Uh, the, the, breast, California. The, the bed and breakfast is a Royal Del Sol and is part of the clothing optional home network. There, I want to get it all out and plug it. Anyway, we, we rented the resort property to shoot this movie. Week, and lo and behold, somebody hit up the resort and asked if they could come and stay while we were shooting. And the owners, Rolf and Cynthia, who are also in the movie, came and asked us. And I said, only if they'll agree to be in the movie. <laughs> so that's the way I was treating it. Because here you have nudists who want to come to the resort. And we're shooting a movie. And how dare you come to my nudist movie and not be in it. If you're going to walk around naked, you're in my movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> so so I made sure I got them, and she participated in the skit where everyone was throwing the cups of water in my face, and then just stuff, and a little bit of it went into the final product. And, and I mean, we could we could break it all down. The opening animation and the animation for the airplanes every time somebody flew to the island of Noodland. I hired an animator. We had an original song made for the movie. You know, the Noodles and Noodland song. So you know, I, I put effort and energy into it in various areas, and um, you know, it was a. Uh, it was a blast, man. You know, we plugged CFI. We used some of their uh, archive footage just to show people, like as a gateway drug. I want somebody to watch it, and then if I did my job right, even if they're laughing, you know, at it, I wanted to show. Like the reason I chose the clips I did for the end credits was because I want people to know it's fun, it's exciting, it's a hoot. It's not. Some naked, fat, white guy, you know, old, naked, fat, white guy in a lawn chair being like, look at my balls. I want you to know that there are groups of young naturists yeah. that go naked snowboarding, you know? So, so yeah. question for you. You know, after you create something, Al probably can attest to this, too, as an artist. Sometimes you're like, oh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done this. What do you wish you would have done for your your movie now that it, it's out or you you know is this you know i don't think i could do anything to improve this or uh, it, regret anything well, the, the, the question is uh you know respectfully the question is slightly flawed because it's it's not that like what could i have done differently for that movie because i did the best i could for that because it, it's one of those gotcha, gotcha, it's, yeah. it's like i'm driving home and i'm in a fog and I can only see mm -hmm. a few feet in front of my car. So what you see in this movie is what happens when this guy has a passion to do a nudist movie but doesn't have any money, doesn't have any resources, doesn't have any opportunity. Because the projects that I work on that have a $600,000 budget come from investors who expect to make money back. I can't promise that they'll make any money back off of this movie. So I was limited in who I approached. One guy gave me 10 grand, another guy gave me $1000, and then I put in uh, roughly 30 grand of my own and pulled a bunch of favors. So, you know, it it, it was it was yeah. it was I had to do something because if I didn't, I was always it's that old thing like when you rate perfect is the enemy of done. I'm writing a how-to book on making movies and and publishing books and I'm calling it perfect is the enemy of done because people sit around they wait for the perfect time. When is everything good there'll never be a perfect time and you know what someday you'll mm. be dead you'll be gone and you missed it so i had to do something and i will never regret having done something okay let me rephrase then this is if you are to make another nudist resort movie what is something that you've learned that you would implement well that's <laughs> that's cool thanks for playing along um i've already done the tv show i've done naked and not afraid so um i went from this this movie to doing the tv show which is in post-production right now and i've learned lessons on that as well i'm gonna take what i've learned from hell's coming for you the noodles of noodling and naked and not afraid and i'm going to put that together for Naked Alien Massacre. And I'm going to shoot it at a nudist resort, either Bear Oaks or Shangri-La in Arizona. And we are going to do it with the money 
and, and heightened levels of technical prowess because we can get into the technical stuff. I can talk to you about drone shots and camera footage and mutinies and people who walk out and, you know, no shows and all that fun. We shot in, in, in Vegas, Hell's Coming for You, which I'm happy to send you a private link for if you want to do anything with that at some point. Um, maybe have my um, the star of it and the executive producer on or something. But, you know, that had a, a big budget and it looks like it. We have hot air balloon stunts. We have Amphicar shootouts. We have uh, all kinds of stuff that that's going on that wasn't even a, an option for this one. So now that I have a bit of clout, I'm not just a, a dreamer running around telling people, hey, hey, just give me the opportunity. Now I can literally point to movies and say, oh, there it is on Amazon. There it is on Shudder. There it is over here. And that gives me the, the ability to then raise real money to hire real people. Because the more talented you are, the more in high demand you are. And uh, I have to get people who are willing to work for a, a ham sandwich, you know? I, I try to go for a little bit above trauma levels, but uh, my movie's on trauma. It's on trauma now. So, you know what else? You know, we were talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Do you know who else is on trauma? James Gunn. You know who else is on trauma? Yes. The creators of South Park. So, what I'm saying is I had to start somewhere because nobody's sitting around saying, let me write a grant for this crazy naked comedian. So, I said, F it. Here's what I put together, and it's gotten me a lot of attention. I love that mentality. My, my point is, I'm going to take everything I've learned and I'm going to apply it to Naked Alien Massacre. Naked Alien Massacre is my passion project. It's my dream project. I ran the Horror Writers Association in Las Vegas for two years. I my work I worked with Clive Barker, who created Hellraiser and all that. My work was in a book that won a Bram Stoker Award. Blah, 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 blah. So I have a passion and a love for horror. I have a passion and a love for nudism. And I want to put them together to make the first ever horror movie, nudist movie, and put it out there into the world. So that's... That's on the, uh, you know, if I died without doing that, I'd be very sad. That's that's a bucket list thing. I have to do it. And I'll tell you one of the other reasons I want to do it. I went to the L.A. screening for Act Naturally because, again, I had some kinship with it, like as a nudist and a comedian and all this kind of stuff. So I went to it, and I was talking to some of the um, a-holes that were in the movie that aren't real nudists. And they were kind of looking down their nose at it, even though they're the actors in the movie. But, again, you know, they held a clipboard in front of their junk or whatever. They just kind of tiptoed around it. And I was telling them because, idiotically for me, I thought they would be supportive of other nudist projects. And I tried to tell this one actor about Naked Alien Massacre and, and my vision for it. And he poo-pooed it. Like, you know, like, ugh, like that'll never happen. And immediately that uh, struck a chord in me where it's like, I'm definitely going to make it. And it's because of people like you. I, I like that mentality perfection that chase of perfection is mm -hmm. is definitely the enemy and that yeah you have to just say you know what that one's done i just need to move on to the next project cool. and so i think that that's really amazing yeah, and, and on a political note, like I, I try to get um, conversation starters in the movie. Uh, you know, barbed wire talks about um, what got her arrested was the World Naked Bike Ride because you can do, you can participate in the World Naked Bike Ride in a lot of big cities where you can get, you know, fully nude, body paint, whatever. And uh, from this time to this time, you know, from nine in the morning until six at night, everyone can ride their bikes naked through the city and there's parties and all this. But if you decide to ride your bike naked the next day, you're going to get arrested. So how does that make any sense? So uh, I threw that in there. And then I have the cop when he arrests uh, Juliana. He talks about hers are the bad nipples because men can show their nipples, but women can't. Right. And, you know, I, I try to get a lot of these things in there. Uh, and you know, 
Who wasn't? I think somebody in some review said that I was, uh, you know, like preaching and like on my soapbox. I'm like, who else is going to bring this stuff up? Who else is going to talk about it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a nudist film. So, yeah, I'm going to bring up these topics because you're not going to hear it anywhere else. The uh, the part that I enjoyed the greatest, it was it was actually at the very end. You know, you and, and Juliana have uh, have embraced your romance together and now you're playing the uh, reverse strip poker at, at your house. But it wasn't that it wasn't the reverse reverse strip poker. It was the fact that then the friends go home. You are you're dressed because you've been losing all night and Juliana is still Per- perfectly undressed because she has been winning and she slowly slips on that that extra on her dress and you know you you're like no no you you don't have to not just i'm embarrassed but you don't have to do that just to to help out with me and then you guys go to the bedroom you have your whole romance scene it legitimized it the film like you know you're having this everybody was kind of expecting romance as as far as i'm expecting um you know it's it's a romantic comedy and you guys got to have your kind of reverse sick, uh, reverse sex scene as well, where, you know, you're, you've put on all your clothes before you hop into bed and, and you're making out and whatnot. And I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. I thought it was just a clever, clever joke. A lot of, I've gotten a lot of good responses from that. Yes. Uh, that was very important for me that the one sexual, uh, moment in the movie would have us wearing clothes. Uh, and it was just ridiculous and silly. And then all the other little, uh, accompaniments to it, such as the cutaways to birds and bees and the flowers blooming <laughs> and then cutting away to that's the moment we overcome our insecurities and the and the demon that's been uh, haunting us uh, with the big splash in the pool and the uh, explosion from the volcano and uh, and then we go back to uh, to us so yeah that was that was uh, that was the plan that was, that was clever yeah. 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 I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you a favorite. Uh, you know, it's 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 my baby. So there's lots of great moments uh, that I love. But when we were in the hot tub on the date, I share a story with her about uh, a nude wedding at a nude beach, and how I was invited, but the girl I was dating didn't want to go. And that's that's a real story. And so, um, you know, when I get emotional and stuff about it, it's it's because that's completely legitimate. Like I was dating a girl who wasn't into nudism, and my friends who were nudists were getting married on a nude beach the whole ceremony was there and i wanted to go and she didn't want to go she didn't want me to go because she assumed that if i went you know it'd be you know sex and and all this and uh so i didn't go because i was dating her and then we ended up breaking up and you know i'm still friends with them and i i went and they own an rv park in branson missouri and they have a daughter and you know it breaks my heart that i wasn't there on their special day because i was um you know, uh, second guessing who I am, uh, as a person for somebody that I cared about. And so, um, I, I vowed I would never do that again. So I wanted to capture that, uh, essence in the movie. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's a part that I, I love. Yeah. I think that, you know, everybody talks about truth in comedy, you know, there's truth in art. Yeah. We want, mm-hmm. we want to in- make sure that we include a, a little bit of ourselves in there where it's, it's coming from a genuine place. And, and I think that people who watch your movie are going to see that you are coming from a, a, genuine, uh, a genuine place for this. Yeah. It, whether, whether the jokes connect with them or right. not, it's, it's that, wow, him 
Tim is passionate about this. And I love that you bring that passion to every single interview. I've listened to a couple of of them that you've done and you, you bring it. You're, you are genuinely the man of passion uh, talking about nudism. You're a great spokesperson yeah, for it. I, I, I totally agree. You know, this is why it's got me so intrigued to be honest. I, I probably have a lot more questions uh, on uh, in general about resorts and stuff like that, um, that I never thought I would have because like you going into this, yeah, I had a stereotype, you know, of what a resort might be like. And this, these films break that down, but it's, it's not to the populace because they still have that stereotype and you're not going to force anyone to watch it. But now that it's out there, they might stumble across it. They can change their mind who can help change other people's minds. And even doing this podcast, you know, it can change other people to listen to it, so on and so forth. It starts small, rolls big, which is great. Tim, it's been a pleasure having you here on, on the show. I think we do need to kind of wrap up. Let's go ahead and uh, do you have anything that you would specifically like to plug? Any websites, comedy tours, uh, movies? Uh, well, right now, the um, the place to go is uh, nudisthumorous.com. That'll have a lot of updates on what we're doing in regards to this TV show and uh, a few other projects. So nudisthumorous.com is good for now. Um, I think timchismar.com is getting revamped by um, my webmaster. So in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram as uh, Timothy Chismar. There's a Tim Chismar on there that's fake. So, hey, I'm that successful that somebody's pretending to be me. All right. <laughs> so uh timothy chismore on instagram uh if you look up timothy chismore on um facebook you'll find me on on tw on the twitter i'm tim chismore i'm not uh i'm not too hard to uh to find i i want to say real quick that the movie's dedicated to two friends of mine who passed away if you go all the way to the end of the credits um there's stills of their faces that show up the girl is uh mista stan cavage who is a, a comedian here in las vegas and uh she got into drugs and and uh, and uh, lost her life. The other guy is um, Michael Watts, who is a stuntman and actor, and uh, he also uh, got mixed up into uh, uh, some drugs and uh, and uh, passed away. So the movie is dedicated to those two because they wanted to make a movie and they wanted to do their art and they never got around to it and now they're gone. So I say that to go back to the thing we were talking about before about when is the right time. So, you know, I just want to encourage everybody out there that mm -hmm. if there's something you want to do, tomorrow is not guaranteed, my friends. So uh, move your ass and maybe, mm -hmm. maybe do it naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As always, to all of our listeners, we encourage you to go out, watch movies. You know what? Go out and watch Noodles and Noodland. And be prepared to watch uh, Hell is Coming for You when that does come out. Do, do we have a... Um, has that one already come out, Tim? Well, I we signed, apologize. We signed the deal with Indie Rights, and um, now we're delivering the um, the footage. So, for example, this weekend we were supposed to record our cut. It looks like it got pushed like a week or so, but mm. by the end of the month it should hit all the streaming services. When I say all of them, the ones that don't create their own content. Nowadays I can't get on Netflix because Netflix creates their own stuff, you know? So, But anything that is available for streaming, so Tubi and Pluto and Amazon and all that kind of stuff but it's called hell's coming for you i highly recommend it it's an action satire about a man in a mobility scooter who's the world's greatest bounty hunter so it's it's 
it's so much fun. Plus, I'm in it. I play uh, one of the leads, and I look like a Miami Vice guy. I got bleached white hair and a white suit and a big gun. So you, you gotta love. It. <laughs> yeah, I'm like yeah. I'm like looking at the the set photos for it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm either naked or wearing a suit. There's no in between. <laughs> Love it. Tim, thank you, and have a great rest of your night. I Thanks, though. So. Yeah. so much. <laughs>